It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, okay, my name, D. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Game Day TV Out Sports. I am so happy to host this episode for you. My name is D Gill. You can follow me at all social media platforms, the Game Day T. My personal Twitter platform is D Gill. I have a wonderful, wonderful episode for you today called the LGBTQ Sports Psychological Related Issues. I have a very special guest for you all. Her name is Dr. Hannah Bennett. She's an assistant professor of kinesiology at Augusta University, Augusta, Georgia. Is it Augusta, Augusta, right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes, well, Um, it's ironic. I'm I'm actually from Maine. (laughs) It's not that people have not asked me that before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got mixed up last time too. I didn't even know there was Augusta, Maine in one of my um, cohorts at uh, uh, sports was like, no, I was really talking about Augusta, Maine. I was like, hmm, didn't even hear about that. <laughs> but your mental skills performance consultant in the LGBTQ plus topics in sports and SIG coordinator. Hannah, welcome to the Game Day Tea. Thank you so much for having me. I am extremely excited about this conversation. Um, I think it deserves so much recognition and I'm, I'm extremely happy that you reached out. No problem. So for for those of you all listening right now, I reached out to Dr. Bennett because I am in a sports-related baseball LGBT group fan page, and we have a group chat. And the topic of Zach Grinke, who plays for the Houston Astros, is going to be pitching. And one reporter asked him, how how do you feel about the matchup coming up? He's like, well, I'm very glad that we don't have fans in the stands. And I went, hmm? why wouldn't a pitcher want fans in the stands? Well, he went along to say, I don't like the autographs. I don't like taking pictures. And by the way, for those of you that don't know, the Houston Astros were in a big cheating scandal of how they won the World Series. So every time those players on the Houston Astros team would go to the ballpark, they would get heckled, heckled, heckled. And I'm not even a baseball player. And I don't even can imagine that type of pressure on me hearing negative remarks all the time. And somebody in the group said, well, you know, he was diagnosed in 2006 with social anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder. And I was like, wow, you know, that kind of makes sense. It got me thinking, right, doctor? What goes on in the minds of the athletes and everything? We expect them to hit, run, jump, play ball, but we don't want to necessarily hear about what's going on in their head, what's the contributing factors. And what is it that the LGBTQ members of this community, what do we go through as being sports athletes? So I wanted to reach out to you. And my friend, Paul, I, Paul, I got to give you props because because <laughs> you're the man right now. You sent me an article by the Jaguar Campus News. Professor focuses on sports psychology, LGBTQ issues in sports. And Dr. It was an amazing article, and I, I, I want to dive right into it. You, you said in that article that there are, there's much work to be done as far as athletes and being inclusive in sports. Tell me about that article. So that was, I believe that article was written uh, the semester after I started here, and it was kind of just to figure out, like, when they introduce new faculty, like, what is it that their research does, and what are they interested in? And with my background in sports psych, I really got interested in um, trying to be an advocate for marginalized communities. 
So I identify as a cisgender female heterosexual and um, I very much feel as though um, as someone who has a privilege in many areas of my life, I feel a responsibility to, uh, to speak out for those that are marginalized. And we see that a lot when it comes to sport. Um, I mean, even with our cultural context right now, uh, there are so many ways in which we could take this conversation, um, but specifically with the LGBTQ plus community, um, I mean, there's, there are certain rules and regulations that have been put in place. There are certain um, ways in which and sporting events, these individuals feel uh, targeted. So for instance, I went to the University of Connecticut um, for undergrad and um, we had a big rivalry with Baylor and Brittany Griner was in, was playing at Baylor at the time and the, um, just to you for a quick Brittany yeah. Griner, my favorite WNBA player she's six nine she's very beautiful I love Brittany Griner I just wouldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> well um, so I remember and I wasn't at the game when this happened um, but she received a lot of really negative remarks about um, what she looked like, that she was so tall. Um, uh, people were saying things like she looked like a man, that they wanted to prove that she was a female, that she should be playing female basketball. And it was extremely discriminatory. And we have all these movements that are like, we're against uh, discrimination and racism and, and these things in sport, but some of these fans, they don't consider, consider that. They don't also, um, it, it brings it back to the point where you said um, that we don't want to hear about the mental side of what athletes are going through. We just want them to shoot and play and, you know, give us the entertainment. But I think we also forget that they are human yes. and they go through a lot of struggles that the, I'll say the quote unquote average individual goes through. Um, they're not immune to mental health issues. And we tend to forget that while their job brings us entertainment and um, we enjoy watching it. I mean, I'm, I can't tell you that I'm sad that sports are back. I, I love it. I, um, but I do recognize that there are um, sacrifices that those athletes are making in being in the spotlight that a lot of people are like, we don't want to deal with that. We just want you to play for us yeah. and, you know, let your, like, let your mental health issues go to the wayside. I think when it comes to the like, so recently the World Rugby Organization put out a statement uh, which banned transgender women from playing um, from playing rugby in, um, what's the exact, I'm trying to think of the exact uh, phraseology that they, that they utilize. They, so essentially what they're saying is that um, they, they ban trans women from sport due to limited scientific evidence that goes against the current IOC guidelines, the uh, Olympic Committee guidelines. Mm -hmm. And so certain organizations, and that's something that we're actually working on right now with my organization. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few of us, um, both in the diversity committee, the advocacy committee, and then the LGBTQ plus SIG, we're actually drafting um, a trans inclusive statement that we are hoping will be a statement of the organization in support of uh, you know, trans athletes participating in sport effectively and appropriately and inclusively. Mm. Um, there's, there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to uh, transgender athlete advantage. 
Mm -hmm. um, and we see that with uh, Kasser Semenya when it comes to why she can't compete in the 800 meter um, trials or the um, her race. She is considering running the 200 meter um, as opposed to the um, the sanctioned. So the I guess the the doping. What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, regulation, not doping regulation. The amount of testosterone within her system. Mm -hmm. um, that's like the deciding factor for her running the 800 meter versus running the 200 meter. Mm -hmm. um, one is tested and one is not, um, which is a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's confusing for it's already a confusing topic for so many people. And that's why they shy away from wanting to even make mistakes and talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is one of the, I think biggest barriers to, uh, to learning more and to making it not a stigma to talk about and not taboo to talk about. And there's so many factors that a athlete has to go through. And we mentioned Brittany Grinder, and I, and I just, I want to think about like the college athlete and they have what lack of sleep grades alcohols i saw one of your studies on lgbtq plus college studies and well bringing their physical activity and all those different type of factors that they have along with motivation perception attitude and beliefs insomnia stress and anxiety how do those factors really play into an athlete's performance and their well-being oh they play such a huge part i mean if if we don't provide, um, and I say we as just a society, if we don't provide resources just for the average college student to be successful, mm -hmm. I mean, we think about all the added things that athletes are going through as well. So they also have, um, when we think about insomnia, we think about, um, I'm thinking about class schedules, mm -hmm. athletes have to worry about, um, maybe they have weights in the morning, maybe they have practice after class, maybe they have to plan their class schedule around when they have practices, maybe they're off season, maybe they're on season or in season. Um, it is, there's so many extra factors that go into um, being a successful student athlete. Mm -hmm. And when you couple that or just place that on top of being a normal college student mm -hmm. um, can be really stressful trying to manage those relationships while also managing academics, while also managing being a successful player I mean, that's a lot to ask someone that is 18 to 24 years old. Um, yeah. So we we need to provide more resources, yeah. both to, in, in general of college students, mm -hmm. but our um, our athletes are can really suffer if they're not provided with um, the right type of of aid. Yeah, I agree. And you know, myself going through college, I was 17. My birthday is December 3rd, so I didn't really turn 18 until my whole freshman fall semester was over with and I was in marching band and I had to get up eight o'clock classes so I, we can be done with the classes three o'clock three thirty go by the cafe to get you know dinner mm -hmm. because we had marching band practice from four o'clock to ten o'clock and I just think about some of these athletes like you said their workout schedules training weights and everything that is, is really tough then you put the LGBTQ plus issues on it are mm -hmm. they out? Do are they, you know, are they hiding from their parents, from the, even their own selves? Questioning about like, hey, what do I like? My body's changing. I'm away from home. I have a little bit more freedom. Wow, I see all these good-looking people. 
<laughs> what is my body feeling right now? You know, um, the pressure to perform, knowing that you are a gay athlete, they mm -hmm. have more, I feel like, you know, members of the LGBTQ plus community have more pressure on us to perform because of what we like and who we choose to love. Uh, the lack of inclusion, you mm -hmm. know, as far as coaches knowing how to deal with, you know, our type of athletes in the perception of how what we're supposed to be like, oh, you're gay, you shouldn't be able to be playing basketball, or whatever like that. Talk about those issues on top of what the everyday athlete in college goes through. Yeah, I love that you brought up disclosure because I think that that is a huge one. I mean, some athletes um, are either suggested that they don't disclose who they are um, because potentially where they go to school. So if you go to a re religious affiliated institution, um, are you encouraged or supported to be your full self? Or is there part of you that's hiding and or that needs to to hide so that you don't lose your scholarship? Mm -hmm. um, we we don't think about that in the sense of being heterosexual. I don't ever say, oh, I'm I'm straight. Like that's not something that um, I get judged for um, in a negative manner. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to disclosure, we see that some athletes decide that they don't want to disclose because they fear harassment, they fear bullying, they fear that victimization, um, they fear that they're going to be looked at much differently, they feel they're going to be judged based off of their sexual orientation and not their ability. Um, we see some that are, that when they do disclose who they are, um, some of them are very well received by their teammates. And that's a wonderful thing. That's the hope that we all have is that they recognize that, you know, your sexual orientation is just part of who you are. It doesn't, it's not the entirety of your identity. Uh, you are so much more than that. And we know that with Michael Sam, when he disclosed to his team um, in Missouri, they were very supportive of him. And it was, it was wonderful to see that, especially from one of those very male, um, quote unquote, masculine, man's man type of sports. I mean, we see um, football as being a very um, not LGBTQ friendly environment, potentially. Um, and him receiving that warmth from his teammates and his coaches um, was really a, an, a testament to how far I think as a society we have come when it comes to those that are coming up through sport. I think we are much more accepting as um, as younger generations are becoming more adult, they're learning that, um, you know, who you love is not, it, it shouldn't make a difference who you love in terms of playing your sport. It, it really shouldn't. Um, but we also know that those that perform very well and are potentially stars of their team, um, they're not judged nearly as much by fans or potentially by their teammates because they contribute to the, the goal of winning or the goal of being successful as a team. Um, I remember when I did my dissertation, one of the, I will always remember this, this uh, sentiment about disclosure is that um, one of my participants was like, I, I view it as a revolving door mm -hmm. where I may tell some people, but there are some people that I, uh, for a variety of reasons, whatever it might be, um, will not disclose to because I, I don't feel comfortable enough yet. And I think as uh, someone who, you know, works with LGBTQ plus athletes, I think that's a really important thing to recognize is yes. 
when they view their teammates as their family and that really tight knit group of people where they have really close relationships and a strong foundation, they might feel very comfortable disclosing that to them um, or to a few people on the team. Mm -hmm. But we also recognize that they may not have felt that way beforehand when it comes to their family or when it comes to their teachers or comes to, um, you know, the, their coaches yet. So it is a revolving door. And I think we have to be cognizant of that when it comes to questioning potentially why someone quote unquote, isn't proud to be LGBTQ. Exactly. Now you were, you played sports yourself. You played softball, track and field, soccer and hockey. Did you experience, when you were playing, did any of your teammates come out to you or did you see any other teammates, uh, not not specifically your teammates, but uh, maybe of other teams treat them differently? Any uh, specific instances of that nature? I don't recall any specific instances where I may have seen that. And I also want to recognize that when I say I played those sports, it definitely wasn't in college. (laughs) Um, I wanted the big college experience and I was not good enough at at soccer to really Mm -hmm. play at UConn. It's just, it's a D1 school and I'm just not there. And um, I can life. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'll say in in coaching, um, after this specific athlete, had graduated from our team. Um, And I will say that me as the uh, mental skills coordinator and the assistant coach, me and the head coach were really good friends. We were really close. And um, I think we established an environment that encouraged people to be who they were and to be who they are and to um, feel comfortable and um, accepted. we had a player after they had graduated ended up coming out to their family. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that that was, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to take responsibility for her feeling comfortable and coming out, but um, I know that we, we really talked to them about acceptance, about um, being your true self, because I think the important thing to remember is when an athlete doesn't feel like they can be their full self, they're not gonna perform as optimally as we want them to, and as optimally as they can. Um, We want them to feel encouraged and supported so that they can be their full self. And when they can be their full self, they're gonna be happier and more motivated and higher confidence. And they're gonna try try harder. They're gonna feel more affiliated with the team and affinity for for the group that makes them feel supported. and in essence, we are allowing them to perform at their most optimal level. Well, I, I, I agree. And when you say that we need to do better, you know, as coaches, because it directly affects the students, some of your research on how can athlete departments and coaches can be more inclusive and accepting of the LGBTQ plus student athletes. If an, a coach out there is listening to this right now, what do you say to them saying, I don't know, I'm lost here. I've never had to deal with this issue. From your background and your studies, what do you have to say to that coach right now? I mean, there are some really simple things that I've implemented in my classroom that I've implemented with uh, presentations with just how I introduce myself, um, how I speak to people. I think the, the use of inclusive language is a very small but simple step that we can utilize um, so, for instance, when I when I do introductions in class, 
for every single student, I have them fill out a note card and I say, write your name, your nickname, um, or I'm not, or, um, and then following that, I write, um, um, write your pronouns. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's really important to recognize uh, the inclusivity of, of utilizing the right pronouns for people. Um, and that's a very simple thing that um, I do in my email signature. Um, I, like, I, I do it uh, very consistently now. And it's become more of a commonplace for me. Um, more inclusive language in terms of saying um, partner or significant other um, or you all instead of you guys. Mm -hmm. um, the hard part I think for, for coaches comes from those like automatic kind of ingrained responses, mm -hmm. which is, is hard to kind of retrain. But I think showing that you are trying is a huge step. It's a huge step. Yes. Because if you hadn't yet shown that, that specific athlete who might be, um, you know, going through um, some really hard times just as a college athlete, but then also as an identifying LGBTQ athlete, like that can symbolize to them, hey, my coach is, is making an effort and I can sense that. And I feel, you know, I feel good about that. Like I feel better about being part of this team. I would say that when it comes to, I remember one of the, uh, one of my participants mentioned that um, when it came to the end of the year banquets, mm. they always they always had coaches that said, bring your boyfriend. And it just just saying that really doesn't doesn't invite the notion that you could have anything besides a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I think that there are so many people in um, administration and athletic institutions that quite frankly just fear offending someone. And making a mistake that they just completely avoid the conversation altogether. And I think that's more of a disservice to your LGBTQ plus athletes than making the mistake, recognizing it, acknowledging it, and then learning from it. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes consistently and I do this research uh, as part of my career. I, and, and I actually, I have done this in class where I purposefully call myself out and let my students know, I was like, it's okay to make mistakes. You just have to recognize it and rectify it. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick, quick, quick little break right here. Don't you go anywhere because I got great content to come with Dr. Hannah Bennett. All right, we'll be back with the game day tea. All right, everybody, welcome back to the game day tea. I'm your host, D. Gill, and I'm talking to Dr. Hannah Bennett, sports psychology consultant. When I hear about the pronouns and I think about when growing up, when I played sports, it, it wasn't a thing. You know, it wasn't, hey, I identify as he they she her queer it just wasn't a topic and now that we have the opportunity with more research and more we feel more comfortable to speak up in larger platforms saying hey these are things that need to be addressed mm -hmm. like for example i was thinking about what if there was a college basketball coach women's basketball women's college uh, basketball team right and they said you know I want you all to be the best woman you can be on that court. I want you to show why girls play basketball. We can stack up to everybody, but there's an athlete that identifies as them, they, mm -hmm. and they feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. They go up to the coach after the game and say, you know what, coach, I just want to let you know that I identify as them, they, and that speech that you gave earlier saying that you woman, everything, you're going to be the best woman that you can ever play basketball. Can we talk about how to be more inclusive? And so if you're a coach, you're probably you know, caught off guard. 
But now we have ways to say, all right, pause. Let me get back with you or come to my office after the game. Let's talk about what can I do. And I think more of those conversations need to be um, implemented around just in general, starting from the younger age levels and, you know, the Pop Warner sports. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I 100% agree. I also recognize that when we have these conversations for, for those of us that are, are comfortable with it, it, it becomes more of a commonplace to feel that we can have these conversations. It's the ones, it's the coaches and the parents, honestly, when you think about um, the younger, like Pop Warner football or even high school sports that can become really resistant to, um, to utilizing something outside the binary um, for, for whatever the reasons might be. And I, I mean, I think we have to push the envelope really to, yeah. to make it acceptable, mm -hmm. um, to understand that the binary is, is, is not the only thing that we should be utilizing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, there's, now is, now is the time to, to learn about inclusivity, to be an advocate and to, as an ally, that's where I feel like that's where my role comes in mm. is. LGBTQ plus individuals, athletes, they face a lot of discrimination and a lot of harassment and a lot of victimization. And as a person who identifies as heterosexual and can potentially be a voice and an advocate for making change so those individuals don't feel that harm as frequently, I feel like that's that's a huge role that I am, am proud to take on because it's it's really important. Like no human should feel that way. Exactly. Should feel like they can't be themselves. Exactly. And for any coaches or parents out there or just individuals listening to this right now, and I think about, let's just say, for instance, a high school football team, any coach out there that really thinks that every single player on that team identifies as straight, you know, or identify as this is the, uh, you know, not a member of the LGBT community, the, the averages, law of averages just tells us that isn't the case. You know, if you have about 50 to 60 people on the football team, there's somebody on there who I, who probably doesn't, they may not know it yet, but identifies as the LGBTQ, you know, member. And for coaches out there that are struggling, say, I don't know what to do, athlete ally. You know, they have an online course for co coaches and athletic leaders on LGBTQ inclusion in athletics. Start there, you know, start by asking people, other coaches, hey, what did you do when you, uh, you had this student? And if you get a negative response, say, you know what? I'm not here for the negativity. I'm here to learn because at the end of the day, these people are people too. And who knows when we start implementing more inclusive environments for the, uh, you know, members of the LGBT community, we can bring out the better athlete in them, in the person. Because I'm pretty sure as a coach, you know, when you coach, you're not just coaching just for these players to be good at the sport. You're also helping them improve to be a better person as well. Oh, yeah. These are, I mean, teaching them things like leadership and communication and team dynamics, like that's all really important for the sport itself. But those are life skills that are going to be extremely transferable. And we want to give them the necessary skills in order to be good humans once their sporting career is over. 
I mean, many of our high school athletes, the ones that I was coaching, um, didn't go on to play college sport. Yeah. So what are we going to teach them that's going to be readily available to them to uh, implement when they go to college? Um, we teach them about acceptance. We teach them about communication. We teach them about having um, important, hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when we shy away from some of that stuff, we're doing them a disservice as an athlete and more importantly, as, as a growing adult. Yes, that was going about to be my next question. In your experience, what have you seen the type of effects on athletes when there isn't inclusion? There isn't a safe space for, you know, members of the LGBT community. What, what type of aspects have you seen that can negatively impact those people? I mean, there's a lot of isolation that can happen. So um, athletes can, um, you know, take themselves out of social situations where they might not feel safe, um, where they don't feel part of the team. They could go into more of a a depressive state also, where if they don't feel connected to their team, they don't feel accepted, they don't feel like they can be their full self. Um, It might be extremely detrimental as a whole in terms of their their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, they could go into some really poor coping strategies um, mm-hmm. where they might um, take some uh, sexual risk taking. There might be use of alcohol or um, other drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, they might they might withdraw a lot from from the sport, and that can also impact their grades. That can also impact their performance as a student. So, um, are they still attending class? Are they doing their homework? Are they, um, is there anything that are like potentially red flags in terms of them being, them losing their scholarship? Mm. Um, when we have really restrictive environments in terms of inclusivity, it, it does not encourage the athlete to, to be themselves. Like they're living in a mask, that they're masking who they are. Mm. And therefore they have to hide a lot of maybe the reactions that they might have or the behaviors they might, um, they might do or uh, some of the things they might say. And for, I mean, after a while that becomes the norm for them where they're not living their full identity and their true self. And I mean, that's gonna be negatively impacting almost all aspects of their life at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm, let's just say, let's do a little story time, okay? <laughs> I'm a student athlete at the University of Augusta. And I hear your podcast. I know about your work, doctor. And I'm emailing you to say, hey, can I just come in and talk to you about what I am dealing with? I I find that I don't have an identity right now. I'm losing the identity that I think I've had. I don't feel like my environment and my team is really inclusive. What What is something that you would do with that athlete, when you sit down and talk to that athlete, you say, hey, come on in, let's have a conversation. Because I did some, I did my research on you, doctor. And <laughs> I found out that you do something called the six circles of you. And I, if you don't mind, tell me about how, what would you do as far as six circles of you and anything else that you would tell that athlete if they came to you? Sure, so I'll start with the, the activity. Um, so the six circles of you is you take a, a blank piece of paper and you put six uh, equal circles on that piece of paper and you tell them and you ask them to, in each circle, write one thing that you that identifies you. And in one circle, in, in only one circle, can you put athlete? 
And then you have to identify other aspects of who you are in the other five circles. Mm. What we tend to see with athletes specifically is that um, the athletic identity can, can take over who they are. Mm. And they, they forget all the other amazing people or you know, qualities that they have within them. Um, one might be that they are um, really involved in their religious affiliation. One might be that um, they identify as, um, as a gay male. One might be they identify as a big brother, as a son, um, as a partner. Um, and we, we start to kind of dissect, let's take a look at each one of these circles and really kind of address how that identifier is important to you. And we, it, it helps them to recognize that they are more than just an athlete and they are more than what just one circle says about them. Um, oh, you did yours, nice. I, 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 did, my, I did mine, uh, my six circles of you because I really felt like I, even though I'm not an athlete, I could still take something away from this. And mm -hmm. so in one of my circles, I have sports. I have caring, gay, healthcare professional, and podcasting. And it really brought it everything to me, writing it down and seeing it. And I told myself, how can I improve on these aspects of me that I'm clearly identifying that I like about myself? Mm -hmm. For me, it's, I know everybody, it may not be things that they write down that they like about themselves. But looking at this, I can say the times when I get down on myself and I think, what am I doing? you know, with my life right now, I'm going to hang this up right here by my computer. And I'm going to look at this every single day to keep me grounded. And I think that's, that's awesome. very important what you're doing to help these athletes out. I think that that is, I'm, I'm a very big visual person. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, that, that doing that activity and keeping it handy, especially in a place where you're going to be able to see it and recognize it and be reminded of it can be really helpful. Um, I mean, as, as, as average humans, I mean, we, we go through so much and we need to, I'm a big proponent of self-care and we need to find ways in which we can balance our, our mind and body. And when we think about all the, like the five or six things that we put in those circles, it's like, how can we best take care of our, of, of these identifiers? Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to vary between individual, but I am a, I'm a huge proponent of keeping things, um, visual, um, but also recognizing the self-care that that is required to maintain a good balance between all of these um, roles and identifiers within our lives. Exactly. And that's, and that's beautiful. What else, you as a sports psychologist, what else would you recommend? I'm in your office and we're doing the six things of, of you. What else would you recommend that I do? So if I'm a lot... I'll, I'll honestly say a lot of the time um, when it comes to the first few meetings or sometimes if just an athlete, like, like you mentioned in that scenario, what popped into mind is, is you said something like, I just don't feel like I'm supported. I don't feel like I uh, really have a strong identity. I'm not, um, I, don't, I don't know where to go from here. That, that's kind of what I sensed from it. I mean, honestly, I'd probably take the first two or three sessions and sit and just talk with them. I wanna find out about them. I want to know who they are. I want to build that rapport because we know that building a strong rapport with our clients and our athletes, um, they're going to feel more secure in, in telling you some things that um, they might not want to disclose to someone else. 
Um, maybe they don't, um, maybe they just need someone to vent to and just to bounce ideas off of and just to have just that supportive listening ear so that they can, they've been bottling things up for so long within their team that by just releasing it and verbalizing it and putting it out there, they are, um, they're kind of lifting this weight off their shoulders. Yes. Um, and then, I mean, we might talk about things. Um, I might say, do you have someone on your team that you feel very comfortable with that you would be, you would want to have those conversations with? Um, and if, if they did, then we might, we might address that. Um, it would definitely be very subjective in terms of, you know, how we would, how we would, uh, how we would work with the team on that because we can't control what the team thinks. Um, we can't control how they respond. We can control certain things within ourselves, our reaction, our effort, um, what we say. Um, but we have to be very cognizant that some individuals are going to be very resistant to uh, to what we put forth. So, I mean, I would, with this specific situation, like if that athlete just really needed someone to, to talk to, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be my main objective would be to, to be a source of, of safety and release for that person. And this, you know, we're talking about right now college athletes, but this can go for professional athletes, you know, adults, you know, please reach out to, you know, Google sports psychologist. If you want to talk to, talk to somebody, you know, there's means to do that. And especially members of the LGBT community, where I, in my own personal opinion, that we face a lot of different psychological factors than their regular athlete, you know, our, from our cis male and straight counterparts and straight female counterparts. And I appreciate you breaking this down for me because I feel like I learned so, so much. And it's, it's very much needed. And I hope anybody listening right now, you can take away something in your personal life to and, and apply it at what we're talking about. But also, if you know a member of the LGBTQ plus community and, you, and they're an athlete, get, let them hear what we just talked about. Because growing up, doctor, I didn't hear anything about inclusion, how to get help. It was, you know, I was blessed to have parents that did that for me, but personally around myself, friends, it just wasn't a topic to be talked about. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, reach out and help somebody that you think may need to hear this. And so we, you can get them in the right places they need to be. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would echo that and just have those conversations that you find uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience with, when I have a question about something, I will ask it and I'm not afraid to, to sound um, ignorant. And I think that's a big fear is that people just, they, they fear offending someone, they fear sounding ignorant, they fear um, that they look stupid. And I mean, you may, you may feel, feel stupid, but I can guarantee you that the person that you're asking those questions to they're going to be appreciative that you're at least making the effort, that you want to learn, that you want to become a, a more educated individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 far past the time where inclusion should be a question. Oh yeah, um, we need to we really need to keep our our foot on the gas and keep working on you know advocating for you know 
transgender athletes being able to play the sport um, that they love without feeling judged. And uh, we need to get rid of, you know, utilizing phrases like you throw like a girl and just very gendered, um, heteronormative mm -hmm. ways of sport. Yep. Um, and I can speak for my, um, I would say my, my colleagues within, within ASP, the organization, the sports psych organization, mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of us that are making these moves and not sitting on the sidelines. And, you know, it's, it's for the future generations that we do these things yes. so that they feel welcomed and advocated for and included. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for saying that because growing up myself, I didn't feel like I was included. And I felt like uh, I'm very, I feel like I'm a very creative individual, but I was suppressed because of my sexuality growing up that I felt like I would be judged for who I am. People would not take me seriously. I wouldn't get the same opportunities as my counterparts. And so I personally needed to hear that. And I know anybody out there listening right now, hopefully you found those words very comforting to you. Doctor, where can people find you to reach out to you? And what else do you have coming up in the sports psychology world and LGBT related issues? So um, I'm on Twitter. I, I don't tweet very often, but I am on there. Um, so it's Dr. Han Ben. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at from the brain to the game. Awesome. Um, something that uh, we're working on right now is I have been very active in CrossFit for um, a while since, mm -hmm. oh man, seven-ish years now. Okay. Um, so um I have really come to really love the community that I have found within CrossFit, um, but I will say that some of the cultural events that have taken place over the past couple of years have been um, disheartening when it comes to one of the tenets is that community is, um, you know, is that we have a very strong inclusive community. Um, and I sometimes question that when it comes to some of the things that I've, I've seen. Um, and so I'm actually in the middle of a study right now that uh, looks at, um, it's called investigating inclusivity. Uh, does the word community really mean everyone when it comes to CrossFit? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm working with a couple undergraduate students on that um, and we're getting some really good, interesting data from it. So I'm, 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 I'm excited about what might come from that. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, doctor, thank you so, so much for talking to me. I feel like I learned a ton of information and I cannot wait to put this out. Um, as always, everybody, be true, be you and be fierce. Doctor, thank you for coming on the game day tea. Everybody, you have an excellent, excellent day. All right, bye-bye.